Hi, I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here with my law partner, Jack Dorora, and we're talking to you from True FM Online. We're looking out uh, the window at a beautiful Columbus, Ohio day. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Jack. John and I are both partners with the B-Hall Law Group. We're here to talk about the legal issues that confront most people. You can find us on the web at B-Hall Law, which is B like boy, E-H-A-L, B-Hall Law, Com. We handle a variety of business matters. We also handle family law matters, probate and estate, and general business counseling. And when necessary, we take cases to trial. Jack, I think we ought to talk about the jury system uh, in America and Ohio today uh, and why you and I consider ourselves jury trial lawyers and um, uh, why it is important to our legal system and our experience in trying cases to juries. Well, I think that's a great idea, but first of all, I, I don't know if I merit being in the same category as you, John. I, um, what, and I'll say that because, my goodness, I think you've had, what, over 100 jury trials? I have, and uh, over 30 years of practice, but I've been with lawyers that have had over 300 jury trials. Uh, boy, uh, in, back in the day, Lawyers were trying uh, three, four, five jury trials a month, and you just don't see that anymore. I can't imagine the pace of activity to make that happen. In any case, why don't you tell us, you know, the kind of cases that you're bringing before juries and why you like the jury system? I like the jury system, and any case that I can get a jury on, I will take it to a jury. So understanding that we're civil lawyers, in a criminal case, the kind we don't do, you would have 12 jurors decide the case. In civil cases, there are eight jurors. And you only need three-fourths to get a verdict. So you need six of eight people to be convinced of your side of the case. Again, different in a criminal case. In criminal, it's a unanimous. So what that does is it creates a situation where you have eight people, 12 people, that have to discuss the case, have to come to a consensus, have to analyze it together, and for the most part, at least in my experience, and probably have never had a bad jury, they come to the right conclusion. Because it's a process that is different when one person decides a case, then you only have one opinion and one experience to, to kind of uh, have them sift through all the information. Yeah, I always like the fact that when you have questions to analyze, that is, what really happened, it's nice to have eight people noodling that as opposed to just one person. Well, and, you know, you and I have been practicing together a long time. Before we start a jury trial, we always sit down and, as you say, noodle the issues and the facts and the witnesses and try to decide what we think is a reasonable presentation of the evidence. And, you know, people help each other get to the right result. Uh, I also think that because the system is somewhat formal, that uh, jurors try to do the right thing. They set aside any biases that they might have, and if they don't, other jurors are there to call them or to alert them that, hey, maybe your bias is interfering with your decision-making. Why don't you tell our listeners about where the idea of a jury comes from? It had to be created somewhere. No, it's uh, like most of our common law and, and people that are uh, uh, familiar with the law or been to law school understand there's common law, there's statutory law, there's administrative law, lots of different types of law. But our common law came from England 
and that's the roots of a jury uh, system. Now, our system is a lot different. Back in the day in England, uh, jurors were consi- would consist of the same people over and over. Most of the time they knew the participants in the dispute. Uh, in the present day jury system, you get essentially eight strangers, strangers to each other and strangers to the parties, and they decide the case. But um, for the most part, it's the same concept. It's a community uh, decision, a community evaluation of the merits of the dispute. I like that notion of a community-based decision. And just so people are wondering, this isn't just a tradition that has been passed over across the ocean. I mean, it's actually rooted in both the United States Constitution and in the Ohio Constitution. So that's the ultimate background for it. It is. And when I pick juries, and the first thing you do in a jury trial is you have what's called voir dire. And that's essentially a system where the lawyers, sometimes the judge, uh, ask questions of your jurors to find the right eight people for the, for the case. But I always ask them how many of them know that the Seventh Amendment to the United States Constitution deals with the right to a civil jury trial. Most people understand you get a jury in a criminal trial, uh, and, and that would be if there's any possibility of a jail sentence. But in a civil case, all you have to do is have an amount in controversy of more than $20 to be entitled to a jury trial. Um, and a lot of folks don't understand that, but certainly it is a constitutional right that we probably should do a better job of uh, protecting. Absolutely. Now, I've heard you talk about what you tell juries um, when you question them or talk with them about how significant their vote is. Why don't you elaborate on that just a little? Uh, One of the things that um, uh, when you think about our participation as citizens in our government, just in general, we get to vote for the president. And in the last uh, presidential election in Ohio, about 2.5 million people voted for one of the candidates. Um, Nationally, it's over 130 million people cast a vote. I would suggest to you that your one vote well, important to vote, probably isn't going to sway the election. You think about even for governor or for local officials, you're still one of thousands, if not tens of thousands of votes. But in a jury system, you're either one of 12, your vote, or one of eight. You have a considerable amount of authority and responsibility because your vote actually counts. And I love to talk to jurors about that, that how important their one vote is. If I'm defending a person that's being accused of a crime, if I can get one person to disagree with a conviction, there's not a unanimous decision. So that one vote is so important. On a civil trial, three people could hold up a verdict because you have to have six of eight. So, yeah, I love to talk to jurors about how important their vote is in our system. I don't know if people really have a good sense of the different responsibilities between judge and jury in a trial. I mean, most people just think about this case going on. Um, I don't think they realize that the jury is there for one purpose, and that is to decide what actually happened, to decide, as lawyers put it, the issues of fact. That is correct, and I tell people that you know, the jury system is really a dispute resolution system. You know, uh, uh, two people have a problem. 
they can't resolve it amongst themselves or between themselves. They hire lawyers. The lawyers can't resolve it. So you go to court. You can either have a judge decide it, because you can waive your constitutional rights. You can waive your right to a jury trial. Or you have a jury decide it. And, you know, the, the jury system is a final arbiter of that dispute. But the jury's power is to decide the facts. And if you look at the Constitution, it's kind of interesting because it's a very, the Seventh Amendment is not a very long amendment, but it says, no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise reexamined in any court of the United States. So as lawyers, that tells us that if you take a case up on appeal, maybe you lost it, questioning the facts that the jury determined isn't going to help you. Now, you may be able to get it reversed on the law or some procedural problem, but the jury, if they say night is day or day is night or blue is red, that is the fact of that case, and that's the way our system works. So uh, that's why it's so important. Judges give the law, juries do the facts. And so actually, when we hear about verdicts going up on appeal, jury verdicts, if that verdict is reversed, it's probably because there was perhaps an improper instruction given to the jury or perhaps some inappropriate, or I don't want to say inappropriate, but some decision by a judge that is questioned by the lawyers. But the facts themselves, that doesn't change. The jury decides those, and as, as you know from your practice, as lawyers, we operate under so many different rules and procedures. We got the rules of evidence, we got the civil rules of procedure, we got local rules. Uh, all of those become very important in a jury trial because a lot of evidence or a lot of material could be excluded from the jury because it's not proper under the rules. So, you know, those rules, sometimes the judges don't enforce them the way the Court of Appeals feels that it should have been enforced. And a lot of times you might be able to get a case overturned. Uh, it's so rare to get a case overturned on the facts as the jury found it. You'd have to basically prove that the verdict was so out of line with the facts that it can't stand on its own. And I have never had that either on either side of a case. I don't think people understand how jurors, juries come to their decisions, but it's based almost exclusively, no, I was going to say almost exclusively, but it is based exclusively on the instructions they get from the court. And I don't think most people are familiar with that notion of jury instructions. Why don't you talk about that for a minute? It's, you know, think about the, the system. It's kind of strange. Now, um, I didn't grow up in a family of lawyers. The first uh, introduction I had to jury trials was my first year in law school. I worked for the county prosecutor. And they encouraged us to go in and watch the prosecutors try cases. And it always struck me, even to this day, how strange the system is. So you have a jury. Back in the day, they weren't allowed to ask questions or even take notes. Now, that's been relaxed to some extent. But for the most part, they sit passively back, and they listen to the lawyers present evidence. Their job is to take that evidence and decide the factual issues. The judge then, at the end of a trial, when all the evidence is in, the jury can't tell us, hey, we want more evidence on this point, or you gave us, as you know, too much evidence. You've kicked this dead horse long enough. But when all the evidence is in, the judge then instructs the jury on the law. 
And even to this day, in over 100 jury trials, I scratch my head to try to figure out the judge is talking to the jury about an issues of law that it took us a year in law school to understand, right? Right. And he and 40, he or she, the judge, is 45 minutes giving a lecture on what the law should be. I think it's very difficult for jurors to understand that, and that's why, as a lawyer, for my client, I take time to point out the jury instructions that I think the jury needs to consider and how they would frame those factual issues. I do a lot, I spend a lot of time on that procedure. I'm sure you do too, because you don't want the jury scratching their head saying, wow, what was negligence again, or what was breach of contract, or what's, you know, good faith? Yeah, so actually what, what those jury instructions are, are the components of the, of the claim that the plaintiff is making. And now the jury is being asked to match the facts with those individual elements. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. So um, a collection company is, is trying to collect a debt from our client. But, the, but the, the, the business that held the debt gave our client a 1099, meaning that they considered it forgiven. forgiven. Right. So the law would tell you, if the jury was being instructed correctly, that they could find that based upon those facts, the debt was forgiven. But that concept is a pretty heady concept in the law because there's a lot of ways that a debt could be forgiven. There's a lot of ways that it could not be. So, you know, you, the judge will instruct the jury for five or ten minutes about this idea of a forgiven debt. But I think if the lawyers don't get up and explain to the jury why this makes sense in this case, then it, it's hard to understand. And, and you talked about back in the day when a lot of judges did not allow jurors to take notes. Back in the day, they didn't allow the jurors to take the jury instructions back to the jury yeah. room. Now... Now that seems to be the common practice, but what a head-scratcher that was. You're expecting these people to remember the elements of all the claims and how they're supposed to match the facts. Goodness gracious, what One a of the, order. the things that I've been successful with, and I don't know if it, it, today if there's really any issue, is getting the instruction before I give my summation or closing argument because, um, you know, now we can electronically put it up on the big screen but you know back when you and I started you had a blow up of the <laughs> appropriate instruction and you know if you tried to do it before the judge gave his imprimatur about what instruction but um, I always say that uh, I want the jury to hear the instructions from the judge and then um, after they hear from me what instruction the judge is going to tell them um, but jury instructions are a very fruitful area of appeal but oh, again, sure. the facts the jury finds, you can't. You're not going to get very far on appeal on that. We've, you and I have talked back and forth about why we like jur juries better than judges. I, one element, for one reason, is pretty simple, is you get a much quicker decision with the jury because, you know, the judge doesn't let the jury go home. Why well, he lets them go home at 5 o'clock, but they have to come back the next day and the next day and the next day. In comparison, you know, the judge can take this pile of information that he's, under, that he's consumed in a week and set it aside for a few weeks or maybe not get a decision out for months. So if nothing else, you get a decision right now with the jury. 
that's why I always advise my clients to, to, to have a jury trial. But, you know, in, in some cases you don't get a jury trial. Now. Right. Just so our listeners understand, uh, common law came from England, jury trials came from England, but jury trials are pretty much for those common laws. And the way I like to think of it is laws that have been around a while. So you take divorce. Don't get a jury in a divorce case. That's a statutory. It's not a common law action. It's created by our legislature, and those judges have to render a decision. So they've got hundreds of cases. They're hearing evidence. Then they have to go back and decide it. And as you know, Jack, sometimes it takes months, if not over a year, to get a decision out of a judge. And there isn't anything that we as lawyers can do because there aren't those time frames that the judges are uh, restricted to for making their decisions. It's completely frustrating for us, more so for the judges. I mean, in the civil area, judges are making decisions on a variety of motions. Then if you ask them to try a case, they have to then make a decision on the case. And most judges that I talk to say, I'd much rather you try this to the jury and let the jury decide, John, because, you know, I don't know when I can get to this decision. So I always like jury trials. It's interesting. I don't know, it was 30 or 40 years ago. I don't know what the percentage of cases was that actually went to trial. Let's say it was 5 or 10%. The percentage now, I think, is below 1% of all filed civil cases. So for whatever reason, more cases are being settled. But aside from that, you'll hear stories in the paper about juries being under attack. There are a lot of arbitration clauses in contracts. Uh, we hear probably... Uh, the Chambers of Commerce throughout the United States and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, corporate interests, etc., they all seem to rail against juries. Give us a couple thoughts about that. You know, it seems that oftentimes big business is, um, is not in favor of a jury deciding a, an issue, maybe because they're afraid that jurors may not get it right. I tell my business clients, don't be afraid of juries. They'll, they'll do the right thing. They're, they're very practical in their response because it's basically people that you're talking to. They don't have a political agenda. The problem, though, is, is the expense. You know, we've had cases in federal court especially that you can't get resolved inside of three or four years. And the procedures and the documents that have to be exchanged and the depositions, they're just litigation fees are out, you know, skyrocketing. They're, they're incredible, the amount of money. So I think legitimately having an arbitration clause or a mediation clause is a good thing because that is a much less expensive way to try to to, to try to get the result or get the resolution you're looking for. Well, so long as it's truly a independent arbiter, and, and my fear is in some of these situations that it's not always a neutral arbiter. Well, it's not only that. Those, those clauses could be unfair. First, both sides should have an interest in doing that. But, you know, we've had clients that have entered into a, an agreement on a you know, purchase of a, of a trailer or something. And um, 
the arbitration calls for it to be done in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? Uh, and the client's here in Columbus, Ohio, and it it's talks about, you know, you pay all the other side's attorney fees if they lose. And so it, it can be very, very onerous. I, I think there's a place for those clauses, and I think that um, the other problem is, is that jury trials can be expensive in cases, and we need to do a better, you know, when I used to think about tort reform, it's, reforming the process to make it quicker and more efficient and less expensive to get a jury to decide the case. And that's sometimes hard to do anymore. It just It's kind of an expensive, time-consuming process. One of the subject that, subjects that comes up about juries, and you've touched upon it maybe indirectly, is you'll hear these uh, outrageous stories about some, quote, runaway, unquote, jury where there's this tremendous uh, amount of money at stake. And and it seems to me that there are two things going on when you see those things. First of all, you might just be reading or hearing about the allegations in a complaint where, heck, nothing's been proven yet. And the second thing is where there are, where the jury perhaps is a little too generous, it may be based on an inaccurate jury instruction, and it could be subject to appeal. The way I look at that, though, Jack, is it's kind of like the Supreme Court of the United States. They make decisions all the time that are in big, weighty cases. Mm -hmm. Our system says that the buck stops there legally. So whether it's a 5-4 decision or unanimous, that's the law of the land. We all have to live with it. Right. You and I disagree with the courts all the time, but our system says we'd rather that process go forward with those nine justices than one person like the dictator deciding it. Right. The same with the jury. My comments to my clients are a jury verdict is always correct because that's the system we've we want. That's the system we all live under. So when that jury decides that this case is worth $5,000 or 5 million, that is the correct verdict because we've given those people right? That authority to do it. So I'm okay. You know, just because you and I might decide it differently if we were on a jury doesn't mean that the jury got it wrong because they were the ones that were chosen by the parties to do it. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good lawyer. I think I can get good verdicts for my clients. Uh, the, uh, the, the switch side of that, the other side is a different lawyer might not get as much money. There's not an objective, right, formula for it. It's a, an opinion. And I think the jury verdicts show an opinion that we've all decided we're going to accept. Well, I think you've, I like what you've said in terms of this is the system. So instead of saying the jury got it wrong, I think we have to resign ourselves to say maybe the system isn't perfect. Nothing that human beings have touched will be perfect. Sure. But this is the system. And by and large, it works for us. I think it does. I, I think that um, uh, if you ask me, have you ever had a jury do something that you thought was incorrect or unfair, I would struggle to find one off the top of my head, and I don't know if I ever have, because one of the things I like to talk to juries about in my jury trials is, is look, you guys make the decision here, guys and girls. You, you do it, and we're going to accept it, because we've decided to bring our dispute to you. And once we made that decision, we put it in your hands. And we trust that you're going to do the right thing, whatever that might be. I've also always had 
the f good fortune of being able to talk to my jurors after the event because they're not, the way that I present the case to them and their responsibility, they're not reluctant to tell me what they thought about my case. And as you know, if you're a trial lawyer, you don't win all your cases. You win some, you lose some. Um, and so I like talking to jurors about the case, why they found in a certain way. And you know, I've never really been able to argue with the logic, so. It's funny, uh, I used to practice with law with a lawyer who used to say there are three cases you try every time you try a case. The case you intended to try, the case you tried, and the case you wish you had tried, <laughs> which just points to the fact that there's a lot of things that go on. You can't control them all. You do your very best. Well, it's such a, as you said, uh, people-oriented process. So you have a judge who's prone to mistakes. You have jurors that may be prone to mistakes. You certainly have lawyers. We make mistakes. And you have clients that could make mistakes. And so when you take all of that and you put it together, you hope that the system comes out with enough safeguards that the, the facts get out and the jury gets enough information to make a good decision. And I'm okay with that. I don't like unilateral decisions by one person. It seems the more authority you give somebody, the more potential they have to abuse it. And um, I'll take eight people on a jury over, over any one person any time. I'm with you. And I think the way of looking at it in a rather simple way to try to really focus on what we're doing is when you have a legal problem that you can't solve, what are you doing? Well, it's not like you're going to the courthouse to uncover this mystery of justice, right? I mean, that's what we all think about. I'm going to go get justice. What you're really doing is you're saying, I can't solve this problem, so I'm going to go to these people I don't know and I'm going to say, what do you think? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. Because the alternative is really chaos. You know, you have a dispute with your neighbor. You don't want to go over and punch him in the nose. You might as well go to court and let somebody else that's objective decide it. So I love jury trials. I know you do too. And it's uh, to me, it's like a chess match with so many variables. Um, that it just, uh, it's always interesting, it's always competitive, and um, uh, to me, it's, it's the perfect system. I wouldn't want to operate in any other. Well, thanks for putting me in the same category as you. You've tried a heck of a lot more cases than I have, but I think we can agree on one thing. It may not be a perfect system, but it is a good system, and it works by and large, and we're lucky to have it. And so we'll be back in a few weeks with yet another subject. Until then, keep listening to True FM.